Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we're back in the new year, and boy, oh boy, do we have some catching up to do. We have Andrew Katz joining us from the Burning the Redshirt podcast in order to cover the latest transfer portal news, coaching changes, and developments from the bowl games. All this and more coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jarrett Sturms who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. I am refreshed. I am rejuvenated. It is 2023. I am back from vacation. It has been, God, it's been a, almost, a. it's been a good three weeks since uh, we've done a CTN episode. So we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, my vacation to Spain was fantastic. Again, I'm very rejuvenated now. Ready to tackle the brand new CFF offseason as we're getting right into it. But to help us out with that, we have a wonderful guest coming over from the Burning the Red Shirt podcast crew. It is Mr. Andrew P. Katz. Andrew, how are you doing tonight, sir? Dude, I'm doing good. I'm hyped for uh, Natty, obviously. You oh, know, yeah. You know, we had, you know, we had to run it back with uh, me, me coming on the pod last year, too, and everything that, that played out favorably for for uh georgia so exactly had to get the the vibes in order dude i i I mean i I guess it probably doesn't make a ton of sense for us to use the whole time talking about your vacation but uh half of my honeymoon was in uh in barcelona oh really yeah other half in venice so i'd love to hear about uh your your spanish uh uh adventures as well at some point yeah no again uh, we were we were there for two and a half weeks um First week we spent in Malaga, which is a- apparently the Florida of Europe. It's where all the British people go for like vacation during the summer and everything. But it, again, gorgeous beaches. Um, my favorite part about the beaches is I didn't really know this about myself until I was down there. I really like to skip rocks, and those beaches in Malaga have like the perfect like flat river stones all over the beaches. So I could literally sit out there for hours just skipping rocks. Is that a? Do you consider that a skill, a talent? Because I've I've tried it. I've never made a real effort at it. I can't do it. But I guess my version of that is I can juggle. So yeah, I would say I I I mean I can. I think I I had a couple that hit at least ten different skips. So like I mean I I did it all the time when I was younger. Um, my grandfather had a a uh, house up on Lake Erie, and they had like the little shale rocks, which are like really really thin rocks. I'd be out That's there for it. hours. Uh, but anyway. Malaga was really nice, very beautiful, and then uh, we spent a day in Granada, a uh, very old uh, part of Spain, a uh, very interesting mix of like Catholicism and like Islamic influence there, beautiful, beautiful cathedrals and mosques there, and then we spent a week in Barcelona, and that that was incredible. I, I adored Barcelona. It's like a safer New York. That's how I described it to myself. Like, I, it, it was like I was walking through New York City, but I felt like I was welcomed. 
yeah, I want to get back there so bad. If if and I would love to to try and get over there for an extended period of time, like actually move and live there. Like if I can move anywhere in the world, it would probably be Barcelona. We only, I, I in reality, I screwed up the the planning of our honeymoon in the sense that like we spent probably I think it was like about the same amount of time between Barcelona and Venice. I always needed to get to Venice personally mm-hmm. and like see it, but it could have just been a day or two. And then we could have spent the rest of the time in Barcelona. Like, and there's, I would never have gone bored. It's, it, it was, it's incredible. There's so much to do in Barcelona. Like we, yeah. we, we were talking about at the end of the trip that like, like my girlfriend was so like, Oh, we didn't get to do this. We didn't get to do this. Like, I didn't feel like, what if we, th- what if we think we missed out on something? I'm like, ma'am, we will be back here. Like, I guarantee you that we are coming back to Barcelona at some point in our lives. We have to leave some things for the next time we come here. And, like, talking to some of the Spaniards there, they said that, like, if you want to live in Barcelona, especially if you're an American, find a remote job and just move to Barcelona. Like, find a job that doesn't require you to ever come in or anything like that. Because the amount you get paid in U.S. dollars translates really well to a standard of living over oh dude everything is so cheap it's so cheap dude the food is ridiculous over there with how cheap it is now don't talk about their gas prices but also you're in barcelona (laughs) you don't need gas prices like the metro takes you everywhere the buses take you everywhere it's incredible i loved it yeah insane yeah so any of you planning your next trips uh highly highly recommend barcelona it is an absolutely gorgeous city with plenty of things for you to do there Alrighty, Andrew, we'll get into this, but again, you talk, you mentioned at the very top of the show and everything, our Georgia Bulldogs, they're going to national championship. Sorry, y'all, we got to talk about this because guess what? It's my favorite team and it's my podcast. So we get to talk about my favorite team going to the national championship. This one's a little bit more fun this year. Like last year, it was obviously like, it was Georgia, it's Bama, like can Kirby get over the hump? It's now it's like, it's a luxury that Georgia's back in it just a year later with the amount that they lost and we're facing a TCU team that also just kind of came out of nowhere. That's also just a really fun story. So like I have like almost zero stress really going into tomorrow's game. Like I expect Georgia to win. I expect them to win handily because I just think the talent differential is too large, but at the same time, like it's just my favorite team going up against a team that like, how can you not root for TCU and the Hypnotoads? It's great. I feel super similarly. Uh, I've treated the whole season kind of as a celebration until New Year's Eve. That like <laughs> when then we played game. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I was I was so into it, so stressed out during that game. I couldn't believe that it actually transpired the way it did. Uh, but like, it's one thing to say you're t- I'm taking the season for granted, and then the, the semifinal starts. And I, I assume it'll be kind of similar for the Natty, right? Oh, probably. It. It always feels like so many of these those games, semifinal games, Super Bowl, uh, college football, uh, Natty, right? Like the beginning of those games is so weird. Everyone's so tight. Like, yeah, because no one treats it like any other game. I feel like that that kind of lends itself to weird stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But I agree with you. I think that um, that what we should win handily. Yeah, again, like Georgia is, I think, number two in talent in talent composite i think tcu is number 32nd like there's a reason why teams like lsu and 
Ohio State were able to hang with Georgia, and I think it has a lot to do with just the fact of how much talent they have on their rosters. Again, TCU done a lot with very little comparatively to Georgia, but like again, I think Georgia should be fine. Again, if worst case scenario somehow TCU pulls with upset and everything, like congrats to the Horn Frogs, they will have earned it by that point. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I got some friends coming over for the Natty tomorrow and everything. I'm again, it's all laid back until TCU scores on the first drive and then it's game on. <laughs> totally. Uh, I, I have some rapid fire for you on the game. Oh, let me give, give me a rapid fire. Do we see a halfback pass from Georgia? No, I don't think I don't think I don't think Kirby gets cute at all. I think he saw what like Michigan was doing against TCU. I think he's going to want to play this as straight that's as possible. Yeah. Whether so, that's, I think, I think they the first couple of drives, it's ground and pound and and throwing the ball, and they just see what the de- the defense is giving them, and they just go for the rest of the game on that. I don't think they're going to try to be cute whatsoever. Does Bowers get a rushing touchdown? Again, I don't think I don't think they go any. I don't I don't think they get cute whatsoever. I think that that's the kind of stuff we pull against Kent State and Vanderbilt. Okay. Which TCU receiver, if it's not QJ, goes off? Um, I I had a I had a receiver in my mind. I was I was trying to think like which one was the. They're speed? all they're all kind of interchangeable, right? They they're all very similar. I I guess I'll I'll throw Darius Davis out there. Fine. Hit him deep. Which one of our running backs uh, has the most rushing yards? Kendall Milton. I'm I'm putting my foot down on this. This is going to be a big Kendall Milton game. I, I Nate Marquise. I can hear you laughing at me right now. I <laughs> I am set on Kendall Milton. Will be. I don't not going to say he's the offensive MVP, but he'll be the rushing MVP for Georgia tomorrow night. Last question: Does Branson get carries? Does Branson get carries? I'm going to say no. With a healthy, with a healthy Kendall, with a healthy Dejan, with a healthy Kenny, I don't see how Branson really gets any carries, unless it's just an absolute blowout. <laughs> yeah, I say 45-21 for my final score. I actually feel very similarly. I was, I was just thinking, I was just thinking about it the other day. I'm like, which game would I compare this to in the regular season for Georgia? And the two that kind of, the one that came up to me was the Florida game. Like that feels very similar to how this one I think will go. I think TCU finds some scores, but it's going to be one of those things where it's never quite in doubt. Actually, it also kind of feels like the LSU game where it's like Georgia gets out to a big lead, TCU probably pulls a little close in like the third quarter, and then Georgia kind of clamps things down in the fourth, make sure that it's never really a chance there. But enough about the Natty. Again, we'll celebrate <laughs> that next week. But for now, we'll get over to all the things we got to talk about here today, including transfer portal news, coaching changes, and some takeaways that we have from some of the bowl games. So are you, are you going to make the people wait for your spiel? Dude, that's why they show up. Uh, no, my spiel is coming right now, sir. Okay. We are part, or I am part of the campus again team, or I'm, oh my God. See, now, now you, you threw me off. You <laughs> threw me off, Andrew. You threw me off. Anyway, I'm part of the CFF team here at Campus Decanton. It's myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley, your boy, Chris K, and Ethan Sowers. We got podcasts, we got articles, we got rankings, we got CFF ADP coming at you really just in the next couple of months because we'll be hitting those drafts as soon as pretty much all those NFL declarations and we figure out who the hell is even coming back. All of that and more to come. We got a lot of great stuff we're working on for you guys this offseason. 
also included in my spiel today make sure you go check out the burning the red shirt podcast again andrew you chris k and zach tau y'all have done an incredible job this past year i love the vibe your guys' show gives off it's like every time i turn it on it's like i'm sitting down in my living room and i got my boys around me and we're all just shooting the crap and we're just we're 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 just talking college football it's fantastic stuff go check it out for all of you guys thank you buddy Oh, and by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're on, listen to this on podcast, make sure you follow us and leave a five-star review. With that being said, Andrew, let's go ahead and get over to some of these portal guys. Um, there's so many guys we could talk about. And so what's going to happen here today, y'all, is that we're going to have to kind of cut this down to two to three guys at each position outside of tight end, because tight end we'll talk about another day. But... I could I I could go to a whole five minute spiel on all these guys, but in that case we would be here for six hours and it's already pretty late tonight. So we're gonna go ahead and just move on into it. And let's talk about our first quarterback here. Brennan Armstrong, quarterback out of Virginia. There was some rumors that he might be looking at Oklahoma State, but no. Kind of takes the easy route here, follows his old coach that made him successful at Virginia, and is heading on over to NC State. Rip us MJ Morris fans who were really, really looking forward to seeing what he could do with Robert Renee, but looks like Armstrong's our guy here. Andrew, your thoughts on Armstrong going to NC State? I don't know what the the argument against him really is, right? It's not just a, one thing in his favor, like going into a into a an offense that is high power that has a lot of uh, that is like an air raid offense or something like that. Right. It's going into an offense that had, that is awesome from a fancy perspective that he has excelled in already. I think you can quip a bit with the talent presently when it comes to receivers, right. I think, I assume they probably lose this guy or two to graduation. They lost some guys to the portal as well, but you can figure that out. That's not a big deal. I think that the main, uh variables that we need to solve for here you get can get there pretty easily and it, it's exciting uh right yeah and robert Renee has definitely shown that he can take i would say equal if not less lesser receivers than what nc state has on its roster right now and do very well with them i mean nc state still got some guys they got porter rooks that's a guy i like over there and i would not be shocked whatsoever if they don't go and grab a couple guy a guy or two out of the transfer portal i think they did they land somebody already am i am i taking crazy pills i feel like i I can't remember i feel like they might have landed somebody already but like again i again i haven't finalized my initial cff like quarterback rankings and everything i'm still kind of playing around with it but like it's hard for me to not or it's hard for me to justify putting brennan armstrong really outside of like the top 12 because again like you said this is a system he's thrived in before. He is he has been a CFF asset in the system before. Normally, you're afraid of like systems not catching on in year one. But again, when you have a quarterback that you've literally done it before with, before we've seen that that helps the process along a big time. I don't know this again. I hate it for MJ Morris because I've really liked MJ Morris in this system. But like, for, like. For us CFF guys, we just move on and then we just shift gears and we go to Brendan Armstrong now. So let's go ahead and hit up our second quarterback here. And that is Mr. Tanner Mordecai. 
the quarterback out of SMU heading over to Wisconsin. This one was a weird one for me while I was in Spain because this was one of those where, again, the time difference is there. I went to bed and woke up to notifications saying Tanner Mordecai has entered the transfer portal instead of going to the draft. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Tanner Mordecai has committed to Wisconsin. I'm like, y'all, I was asleep for like seven hours. What? What's what? So yeah, Tanner Mordecai heading over to Wisconsin. You got Luke Fickle taking over over there. And in addition to that, you have Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator from UNC, heading over there as well. The guy who made Sam Howell and Drake May very much fantasy relevant guys throughout their career and we'll talk a little bit more about him later but andrew your thoughts on tanner mordecai going to wisconsin tanner mordecai has shown he could be a cff asset before do you think he can continue that at wisconsin i i love uh tanner and enjoyed uh putting him into my lives the last couple of years at smu it, it was it was a lot of fun uh i don't know how you can expect him to be as successful as he was at SMU uh, either this past year or the year before if you're using it as your baseline for comparison. Yeah, I guess we can quibble a little bit with the system Brett Lashley ran this past year, but from a, the perspective of surrounding talent and schedule uh, system, it feels largely like this, like, I don't know how you can argue that this is anything but a downgrade. Like the idea of Tanner Mordecai going up against Iowa, uh, Illinois, uh, Minnesota type defenses. He was, he had plenty of games where he struggled against the, like the Tulsa's of, of the world in AAC play where for all intents and purposes, he, they SMU's uh, talent at quarterback and, the other skill positions overmatched that what uh, he was going up against uh, within that conference. So it, I think it'll be fun um, there a lot of the time, but it'll be interesting to see where he goes, right? If there, if there's shared pes- pessimism across uh, our landscape and you can get him kind of in the between rounds, uh, I don't know, let's say 13 and 18. I think he'll have some boom weeks like that, yeah. that, that system, the talent that they're going to bring in uh, to, to, for him to throw to. Right. I think that it, it'll lend itself to some, to some uh, exciting weeks, but there's going to be plenty of downswing there too, I think. So you touched on the point that I kind of wanted to make here and that is who's he throwing to? Yeah. That that's kind of my question here. Cause like none of the guys on Wisconsin's roster right now really strike me as like, Okay, those are going to be the the Phil Longo wide receivers we come to grow and love. Like uh, Shimray DK, he's a good receiver. I just don't know if he is that guy. Skylar Bell is another one that I've had some Wisconsin fans tell me like, oh, he could be a guy that like if in the right system he could be somebody really special. It's like, okay, I'm going to need to see it to believe it. I feel like they're going to add somebody through the portal. Um, I don't know who. I, I I couldn't tell you who, but it, it definitely feels like there's an open spot for a receiver here. And considering that Phil Longo has been able to put, he's about to put Josh Downs into the first, if not second round of the NFL draft, I think it's pretty fun little landing spot, especially if, or especially if people see, like receivers have seen that Tanner Mordecai does love to stare down one guy and just feed them constantly over and over again. In some ways, I think that Longo and Mordecai are like, a perfect match in the sense that 
both for both of them, right? It, it felt like when they when they got to in their in their the clubs that they were the teams that they were at previously, when they went up against soft competition, their teams excelled. When they, yeah. when they had to face real defenses, it didn't really work out so well. So uh, the problem the problem is the Big Ten's got a lot of real defenses. Right, 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 right. But so, yeah, can't play Rutgers every week. Actually, Rutgers exactly. has got a pretty decent defense too. So. All right, moving on to the next one here. This is where I'm going to really let you take charge, uh, Andrew, because you really wanted to talk about this, and this has been your boy for a long time. But you got Davis Brin, quarterback out of Tulsa, heading over to Georgia Southern. Andrew, what what's got you so excited about this one? Dude, so it was going to happen this year, and I something was nagging at me right at the end of August where before the season kicks off after doing like 40 – drafts or whatever best ball draft season leagues i was like should i maybe have gone back to the davis brinwell for 2022 like maybe he just needed another year in that that up-tempo system with the with the three to four quality wide receivers that tulsa had and maybe this was the year he was gonna put it all together i was like no you got your dynasty shares you're good bro and then he starts throwing for 400 yards on everyone to start the season just absolutely dropping nukes and that filled me with a little bit of regret uh but you can really split a season into two parts not equal parts right i think it was like the bit the like through three and a half games and then everything after that where he just uh, he hurt his shoulder copped another injury or two and everything yep. after that was just not representative we were seeing uh with respect to his performance at the start of the year went from a guy that was a guaranteed 300 yards to <laughs> just to getting pulled from games for, as a result of performance and, and injury. So I think we saw enough when he was healthy to see that the the raw talent was starting to translate to actual performance. And now he goes to the system that just turned Kyle Van Treese into a dude that can shoot for 400 plus yards every yep. single week. Right. So I think when we think about just optimal portal portal destinations, this is, this is amazing. It's super exciting. Oh, I was interested in any quarterback that landed at Georgia Southern. Yeah. Because again, Vantry's moving on. There was definitely a spot to be filled here. And Davis Brin, we've seen him in a ha- pass heavy offense before. Like you said, doing well to start this season. I agree. This is a perfect, perfect landing spot. He is probably going to be somebody that, depending on where he goes in drafts, I'll probably be grabbing quite a few shares of again this season. Because I, I got on the Vantry's train late. Uh, off season last year and that paid a ton of dividends and i think i'm gonna go back to that well this year because why not i'm the only the, the two i guess two things you can say that are maybe a tad concerning are we're about to see the portal close and presumably a mass exodus of coaches in the very near future right i mm-hmm. wonder if brian ellis is about to get poached uh by another team like you 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 search Twitter, you don't find a ton about his name, but there's still open coordinator p- positions, right? I forget where I was seeing rumors with him. Um, it, it's totally slipping my mind, uh, but he's got like you can't do what he, what he did, turning a relic of like a, tri- a triple option offense into a, a a team that's passing for 400 yards a week overnight. Yep. and not gain national attention in some capacity, right? So it wouldn't be surprising to me if he's out the door. Additionally, it it didn't show up against Buffalo's uh, against Buffalo in the bowl game, but they were down, like, 
their top three receivers and top three running backs by end of the year. A lot of that's yeah. injury. Some guys are moving on. So outside of Burgess coming back, I don't know who he's throwing to. So I, I'd like to see some uh, some influx of talent or just some write-ups about what we can expect in the way of uh, receiving core. Yeah, because is, is White done? Like Jalen White, is he done? I don't think so, but... Because he's a um, junior, but I could, like he just didn't play the last couple of games... Yeah. And like the kind of discourse around it was kind of weird where it made it sound like that he wasn't necessarily injured. It was more just not playing. Oh, it could be one of those. Know. Okay. I don't know. It was, it was, it definitely was a little weird. Um, yeah. All right. A couple of honorable mentions at quarterback here. Uh, Sam Hartman, quarterback at a Wake Forest going over to Notre Dame. Pretty big news with CFF because, again, Sam Hartman's been a wonderful CFF asset for all of us over the last couple of years, but he's going over to Notre Dame. Yeah, unfortunately, I would consider that a downgrade. Uh, it's gonna be hard to dic- it's gonna be hard to tell how much production he's gonna get. Obviously, it's big for like if you're in a Devi league and you somehow have Sam Hartman, you definitely have to love that him taking the step up in competition. Uh, Jack Plummer, quarterback out of California, following his old coach and Jeff Brom over to Louisville. Interesting choice considering he has been benched by Brom once. He said, I want to get benched by him again. Hudson Card, quarterback out of Texas, going over to Purdue. Uh, going to start for that Graham Harrell air raid offense. Definitely something to keep an eye out there. And then Daniel Richardson, the former quarterback out of Central Michigan, headed over to Florida Atlantic to join Mr. Tom Herman in his offense over there. So, Andrew, any of these four guys really strike you as like particularly interesting that you want to make a comment on? I totally forgot Herman's at Florida Atlantic. Is he the head coach now? He's the head coach. I I need to read up on that. I I feel like that when that news came out, there was a zillion other things coming on, and it totally I did not commit it to memory whatsoever. Definitely is a very under the radar hire. There's I don't think there's any way that Plummer or Richardson actually start. You don't think or, so? No, I think that there's more talent coming in. Uh, but um hartman i agree with you i think from a cff perspective we've seen the best of him uh, um unless the cost is very fair and reasonable i probably won't be buying yeah. in i'm am also skeptical on card um i he looked i think he looked improved this year relative to last year he's it looks like he's improving as a quarterback but i don't I don't know how much stock we can put in Graham Harrell's name at this point, given it's been kind of disappointing at the last two to three stops that he's been at. Um, But yeah, all these guys, I mean, it's interesting. It's fun to talk about and at minimum worth monitoring, right? There's a lot of uh, either systems and or talent there that uh, we need to keep on the radar. Yeah, I agree. Again, for for now, I, I definitely am penciling in Plummer as the starting quarterback for Louisville. I again, if it was Austin Reed, God, that that was a possibility there for a minute. If Austin Reed was the starting quarterback at Louisville for Jeff Brom, good lord, that would have been a ton of fun. But oh, dude, I, I again, but I'm glad Reed say he he's saying at WKU. We'll see what they do for uh, offensive coordinator. I think he goes back into the portal. You think so? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, actually, um, I just said I don't know what they're going to do at. Offensive coordinator. I do believe Nate Marquise actually just dropped in our Slack a few seconds ago that, yeah, uh, WKU hired a league uh, leech protege 
from Mississippi State as their offensive coordinator. So, oh, that's fun. So it seems like they want to keep with the pass-heavy offense over there. So Tough to replace Arbuckle, though. That dude yeah. was operated. He was just firing on all cylinders by the time they got to the bowl game. Oh, 100%. All righty. Moving on to some of these running backs. Carson Seal, running back out of Ball State, RB5 this past year in CFF. Uh, a lot of us are saying there's no way he's going to land somewhere that's going to give him the same value that he had this past year. Well, he just goes and lands at UCLA, which gave us Zach Charbonnet this past year, and Zach Charbonnet was the RB8. So the real question is, Andrew, and we're going to talk about one of the uh, the other guy here later, do we think that Carson Steele is that guy for UCLA next year? Or do we think that there's somebody else here? Or do we think that who they want to be the main guy is already on the roster? It's it's tough, uh, right? It's based on the one or maybe two uh, sets of uh, early rankings or just where people are talking about him going. Sounds like the cost is a top 10 running back. Uh, I don't know if I can, I'll be able to get there. I wanted it. I wanted to draft T.J. Harden. Maybe I still will if he's relatively free. If we're all in on Carson Steele, uh, in terms of him just assuming two, two to three hundred carries. Uh, but I don't know. It like Chip. Does Chip play CFF or like? What, dude, good for him for uh, bringing over so many of our favorites and stuff. But oh, I know, right? Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't know where his head's at in terms of what. It, if he's just thinking about it through the lens of trying to shore up, not necessarily roster depth, but uh, like I think that it would have been difficult for him to go into this upcoming season with the roster as it was projected to be at, the, at those skill uh, positions. Obviously, he was able to pr- procure some really talented, productive players, but I don't. I have no idea what what he ends up, what his vision is, what his plan is there. Maybe it's just get them in the into the spring and let them compete yeah no doubt about it definitely gonna be something i'll be monitoring throughout the off season again we you you mentioned his name earlier tj harden performed well in the bowl game for ucla so i was kind of surprised i thought keegan jones would be the guy that they would kind of go to next looks like he's just kind of stay in that scat back role that they've kind of been having him do all year long and tj harden would be the next guy up we will definitely see again definitely excited the possibility here with Carson Steele being the workhorse back for UCLA pretty much saves any kind of CFF value that he would have had over there at Ball State. So if you are a owner of Mr. Steele in like a dynasty league, you can breathe a little bit easier moving forward. Next up here, staying on the West Coast, we have Mr. Aiden Robbins running back out of UNLV. And he is heading over to BY. You, BYU, given us some wonderful CFF assets over the past couple of years, including Mr. Tyler Algier two years ago. And for, you know, short spurts this past year, uh, Christopher Brooks and or who, whatever the running back flavor of the week was for BYU. Andrew, is Aiden Robbins the kind of guy that can get us back to that, aid, that Tyler Algier kind of workhorse take over everything role? Or do you think he'll just be another dude in the backfield? And we're back to what we had this year where 
it could be a different guy going off every week. I think the biggest problem this year was that Brooks just couldn't say healthy, uh, right? As was his track record throughout most of his college career. True. I don't love the idea of buying into injury. Uh, what's the right word? Just someone uh, who's continuously getting injured. There's a, there's a injury more prone. injury prone. That's it. I don't, I, I don't like the idea of generally buying into that. Um, but I think that Brooks might be the exception to that idea every single year, every time he got anything representative of a real, a real workload at Cal at BYU uh, kind of hit the deck and missed some games. Um, Robbins showed out right in UL, UNLV assumed more or less the Charles Williams type role. Yep. You got you got things up a little bit, but I think that he moves into what UNL, what BYU wants for in their workhorse uh, running back. Algier is an NFL talent, uh, uh, right? I, I wasn't necessarily I didn't necessarily buy all the way on in on him at any point in his college career for which really probably uh, says more about me than him, <laughs> especially given dude he's he's doing nice for your your Falcons. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, he's 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 doing very very well. He even got us the meaningless win today that is going to cost <laughs> his draft capital. Good on him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that we, it could be pretty nice plug and play for Robbins at BYU. Yeah, definitely feel this definitely feels like a guy that I'm going to be hitting in like those like early teen rounds where if I don't like my initial start at running back, I'm like okay. Robbins is probably still sitting here. I'll just grab him. He'll he'll be my safety blanket running back. I like it. All right, got a couple honorable mentions at running backs here. And again, we could have honestly, I could have dove deep into any of these guys. Uh, got some pretty big names here, but we're gonna get through them pretty quickly because again, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Trey Sanders, the former five-star running back out of Alabama, heading over to TCU. Brian Batty, the top running back out of USF, is heading into the transfer portal. No real rumor in terms of where he could end up yet. Dylan Johnson, the running back out of Mississippi State, initially rumored to go to Auburn or Syracuse, now heading over to Washington, which he very much, in my opinion, fits the role that Ronnie, he fits the mold that Ronnie Rivers plays. And so maybe Kalen DeBoer will try to utilize Dylan Johnson the same way, or he could just be another dude in that backfield. We will definitely see. Treshawn Ward, the running back out of Florida State. This one surprised a lot of people. He was the lead rusher in the bowl game for Florida State against Oklahoma. It sounds like there's some younger talent coming in behind him, like Trey Benson. He thinks he's going to overtake him, so he's going to try to find some greener grass elsewhere. I'll ask you, Katz, real quick. Do you know what the rumored destination for Treshawn Ward is? I was going to ask you. I, I saw he was visiting Kansas State. Uh, he's got crystal ball to Kansas State right now. Oh. I'm not going to yeah, lie. That's... That could be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, rip rip uh, DJ uh, Giddens and <laughs> what little hype I had for him already. But still, I... Treshawn Ward over there could be a ton, a ton of fun. I think they could use an experience back. And last but not least, Marshawn Lloyd, the running back out of South Carolina, heading over to USC, graduating from USC Junior up to USC proper. So 
yeah, the, a bunch of great running backs here. Again, some fun CFF landing spots, possibly. Andrew, you got any quick thoughts on any of these guys? I'm curious what happens between Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd. I had Jones circled as just like a potentially super boring, but 20 carry a game type guy. I don't know if this changes that. I, I look back on Marshawn Lloyd's game by game stats this year after he committed the other day. And in my mind, he was delivering on all the hype that and mm-hmm. all the promise that he had from previous years. And then I look back and he like he blew up against Charlotte, had a nice game against South Carolina State and had like one other not bad game. And that was pretty much it. Uh, so it, I think that it, it I don't know if we should necessarily have a ton of confidence about him going over to the West Coast and the role that project him for any super um material role uh but it's interesting right i i just seeing him do anything this year was fun and nice given that we hadn't really seen it uh the theory translate to practice at all previous years Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't i would love to get in brian petite batty's head and understand why he transferred right like i can say that he probably saw like how split the workload was at tennessee in terms of the running backs and the running backs not being like a or not being really glorified in their in the role they play in the offense at Tennessee, so maybe that's it. Maybe he just doesn't like him. It could it could be like a personal thing. It's not it doesn't doesn't always have to be about scheme. Maybe 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 Brian Batty is a ice cream a strawberry ice cream guy, and then Alice Gorsh, Gorish is like a chocolate ice cream guy, and they just can't mesh very well unless you're Neapolitan ice cream. I realize that was a bad example as I was saying it. Anyway, Marshawn Lloyd. I think the bigger concern with Marshawn Lloyd is more health-wise than talent-wise because we saw this year, like when he was healthy and he got the workload, he killed it for South Carolina. Um, Yes, again, one of them was against South Carolina State, but again, he had two SEC games in there that he did pretty well as well, and then he got banged up again, and then South Carolina just decided to throw him to the curbside, which is part of the reason why I think he transferred here. So... I'm I'm definitely keeping an eye on Marshawn Lloyd. If Austin Jones, especially if Austin Jones goes off to the draft, I'll be heavily invested in Lloyd. Wide receivers, real quick, got two that we'll talk about here. First of all, we got Devontae Walker, wide receiver out of Kent State, absolutely phenomenal athlete. He's headed over to UNC. UNC, who has just lost their two top wide receivers in Mr. Josh Jones and Antoine Green. Devontae Walker very heavily expected to fill in that slot role for Josh Downs. I again, if if you're a Devontae Walker fan, if you can't have him with Sean Lewis, this might be the next best option. Just get him over there to UNC. Let Drake made throw to him. You gotta love, or you just play and gotta love it. I will ask you this though, Andrew. You can give your initial thoughts on Walker, but I'll also say this. There are some interesting options at UNC next year. You got Walker here. Uh, Nate McCollum, we'll talk about him in a second here. Uh, he is also going to UNC, the Georgia Tech wide receiver. And then you have two guys already on roster. You got Andre Green Jr. You got Kobe Pesor. Which one of those guys are you? do you think you're going to have the most shares of by the time draft season gets around here? You think Tez is... Uh 
are they actually saying like he he projects this slot? Like I can't imagine that. I mean, coming out of Sean Lewis' system, like it's just run go go route and then run another go route and then run another go route, right? So I don't I don't know if like is he does he translate to the slot or I don't know what. That's kind of, that's um, kind of, but have they talked about him doing that? That's kind of that's the, that's kind of the expectation I've been hearing. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I mean, the the dude is ridiculously talented. Oh yeah. It, it's awesome. Uh, like he, week one, right? He caught a fifty-yard bomb on Washington. Did and then he uh, ripped us for a long touchdown as well. Yes, he did. Uh, so it's not like he can't do it against top-class, top-flight talent. Um, I don't know. I I, 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 t- I tell myself now that I would like to take the measured approach of between uh, maybe the three or four of them, seeing who's cheapest and going that route. Andre Green looked sweet finally getting on the field in that bowl game. He had a couple of really nice catches. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. They're ha- like, I don't understand. Something must have happened that we just weren't privy to. Like, how is that dude not getting on the field at all earlier on in the season? It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So, talking to Brandon Sanders, who uh, is pretty well connected with the UNC or the North Carolina schools and everything, he said a lot of it was just that uh, Devontae was raw. Or uh, not Devontae's, uh Andre Green Jr. was just super, super raw uh, throughout most of his freshman year, and that they just weren't comfortable putting him out there quite yet. It's like one of those things where he's like, he has all the pieces, he just has to put them together. Once he puts them together, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal out there. Yeah. But like, I, 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 I conducted a poll right before the new year when this news broke, and I was like, all right. Which wide receiver are you most excited about next year? Devontae Walker killed the poll, 53.6%. Andre Green Jr. and Nate McCollum were at 17% each. Kobe Pesor, who just killed it in the bowl game against Oregon, has kind of killed it at times for UNC this past year, 11.6% responded. That I'm not going to lie. I think I'm going to be taking a shot on Kobe Pesor <laughs> in later rounds if that's how much people are kind of down on him compared to Devontae Walker. I also have plenty of Walker because I love him as an athlete, but like, I don't know. UNC wide receiver rooms definitely give me something to watch here. Definitely, I think I I voted for Pacer in that uh in that poll, but yeah, it's a it's a lot more fun than before or like in the early Dece- early to mid December, right? You you think about who Drake May is throwing to next year, and it's like, well, Downs is gone, Green yep. hasn't done anything, Pacer hasn't done anything in ten weeks, but now it's sweet. Now there's four good options. There's four great options. Speaking of options, we got some more options for our good friend Bo Nix over at Oregon. You got Tez Johnson, wide receiver out of Troy, heading over to Oregon. Let's be real. Probably wouldn't be talking about this except for the little nugget that Tez Johnson is the adoptive brother of Bo Nix. And... Maybe the CFF community is overcorrecting on this because of what happened this past year with Chuck Sizzle and Aiden O'Connell and Chuck Sizzle and him being like um, peewee league mates and everything and like being like really, really good friends. Are we going to see something similar here maybe with Bo Nix and Tess Johnson? Like again, brother to brother connection here. I don't know. Possibly again, Troy Franklin's still out there, so like I think he's still the guy I'm rolling with. But like, it's a fun thing to consider. Again, chemistry matters. Like, it's a it's a very real thing when you're doing research. It's like find out who the quarterback is, duh, 
and then find out who his roommate is. If it's a receiver, that tip more often than not that translates to them getting more targets than they probably deserve. And so, like, I just wonder if there's a similar thing going on here where Bo Nix gets his brother out there on the field, probably sends some love his brother's way. I don't know. Andrew, your thoughts on this? Yeah, it could t- it could totally happen. I don't know what their returning pro- production looks like, but as likely as that is to happen on the surface level, there has to also be a decent chance that the dude can't even get on the field, right? Oh yeah. It's not like it's not like they're they they don't bring in uh, four four and five star uh, in the into their wide receiver room, right? So yeah, absolutely. I yeah, it, it, I would need to see a decent amount in the way of nuggets uh and tea leaves right to actually mm-hmm. have me starting to draft tez it's probably in early drafts i'm probably not gonna be considering it at all yeah probably not again this is just a fun one to talk about because again we all yeah, we were all kicking ourselves so much with charlie jones and aiden o'connell it's like how do how do we miss something that seems <laughs> so obvious in hindsight so now it's like we're like hyper aware of it. We're like, oh, Tess Johnson following Bo Nix is adopted brother. We'll see what happens here. I don't know. <laughs> Couple of wide receiver honorable mentions here. Just gonna run through these first five real quick, and we got another set of five afterwards because these darn wide receivers keep moving all over the place. Ole Miss lands a interesting pair of receivers here, and Chris Marshall, the former five-star wide receiver. Coming over from Texas A&M, they also land Trey Harris, the wide receiver out of Louisiana Tech, who is the CFF wide receiver 15 this past year. I mentioned earlier Nate McCollum, the wide receiver out of Georgia Tech, really kind of put it together near the end of the season. He is headed over to UNC. I have to imagine probably taking one of those outside roles for UNC. J. Michael Sturdivant, a former four-star wide receiver who had committed to Cal. He is in the portal, definitely performed well for his first year at Cal. We'll see where he lands. I do wonder if he follows uh, his old quarterback, Jack Plummer, over to Louisville. That would make a lot of sense. But also, there's some competition there at Louisville, and we'll get to that in a second. And last wide receiver we'll talk about here, Dominic Lovett, wide receiver out of Missouri, headed over to... The Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia also lands Ra-Ra Thomas uh, out of Mississippi State. Just a little side note there as well. Andrew, out of these five that I have up here on screen, any of them striking you as guys that you just have to talk about? Ole Miss, from, with respect to the passing game, probably isn't calling too much to me, assuming Jackson Dark comes back. I, yeah, they had some boom weeks where a wide receiver or two went nuclear here and there, but overall, I, I don't see it at all with Dart. Maybe year two in Kevin's system that changes, but the yeah, they bring in receiving talent, but they had it's not like they weren't starting three quality receivers last year, so I'll, I'll probably pass uh, there. What if I uh, what if I threw out there, Andrew, that on three currently has. Spencer Sanders projected to go to Ole Miss. Dude, so I didn't want to bring it up because there's like there's like an Auburn rumor too uh, about him as well, which he immediately shot down. But dude, and, and Oklahoma I would State be in, I would be in heaven pairing my dog Spencer with uh, with Kiffin. 
I, I would overdraft every player <laughs> from that passing offense. Dude, that uh, would be it, fun. Script totally would flip. Um, Sturdivant right. is, is Zach's dog. Zach loves that guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't lie when uh, you mentioned following his quarterback to Louisville. That was one of the first thoughts that came to my mind as well. You would, I think, you would think that he will probably have many offers. Uh, well, so right? his current rumored three. I just remember this uh, just now. His current rumored three are Tennessee for Sertivant, uh TCU, and UCLA. Is there a bad option out of those three? Because I don't <laughs> think there is. I think I think you gotta love either. I personally would love to see him go to uh, UCLA. I think Schleed needs some weapons to pass to. Bobo's moving on. I think yeah. he would. I think he'd make an excellent receiver. Just stay out in the West Coast. Stay in the Pac-12. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, another set of honorable mention wide receivers here: DeAndre McCray, the Austin P. FCS standout. He's headed over to Texas Tech. So another body in that Texas Tech wide receiver room for all of us to speculate about. EJ Williams, the former four-star wide receiver out of Clemson, headed over to Indiana. Caden Prather, the four-star wide receiver out of West Virginia. He is going away from West Virginia and headed over to Maryland. Maryland also landing Tyrese Chambers. I don't think I've mentioned that on this program yet. So Maryland adding two receivers there out of the portal. And then Louisville also landing their own pair of wide receivers out of the portal in Former four-star wide receiver Kevin Coleman, who had gone to Jackson State this last year. Uh, I guess he missed the memo that Dion's headed to Colorado, not to Louisville. But, you know, got sometimes he just, I guess something was just calling his name. And that something was a big bag of cash, I guess. Um, and then Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver out of Georgia State, who was the wide receiver. Where are you? He was the wide receiver. Just saw him. He he was he was up there. He was like one of those guys that flew under the radar for a good chunk of the season. Where are you? I just saw you. There he is. A wide receiver twenty two this past year. He's headed over to Louisville. That's crazy. He finished that high. I know, right? Like again, he completely flew under the radar in terms of how. Yeah. Like it, it was a really really good end of the season. Like he had last four weeks. His last four weeks were. 20 points, 20.9 points, 21.6 points, 27.2 points. Just nice. absolutely killer end of the season right there. Yeah. So any of these guys stand out to you, Andrew? Indiana and Maryland just feel to me like it, it's totally uninformed and non-statistical, not not statistically backed whatsoever to to put this in, out into the, the, the podcast, right? But they just feel to me like they do everything by committee and don't do it necessarily very well. So I feel like I never end up really targeting either of those offenses and probably it will probably stay that way. Fair it's enough. great to see Brom bringing in some, t- some talent, right? Uh, thinking about what he walked into and now kind of where he's at, things are already trending uh, nicely for kind of for potentially year one being a little bit fun. I don't know much about DeAndre McCray other than he was on like a week zero slate and, and uh, balled out. Uh, and, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you're not going to get in for year one of Kidley, get in for year two, man. It should be fun. Yeah. It's definitely a fun little pot shot. Again, out of the two wide receivers, I'm very much looking for who's that number one wide receiver for Jeff Brom. 
And we kind of talked about it in our Slack earlier. Because, again, I liked Kevin Coleman when he first committed. I'm like, okay, former four-star wide receiver headed over to Louisville. That's kind of fun. I think I like Jamari uh, Thrash just a little bit more in terms was, of his Was Coleman a, a freshman this past year? Yes. How, how did he do? Uh, not great. More of a return man than anything else. Uh, definitely okay. Travis Hunter was more the show sealer. But, you know, yeah. like, change the scenery. Totally. All right. That ends up our portal section right there. Let's go ahead and move on over to some of these coaching changes that have happened as of recently. We got a couple of guys, mostly offensive coordinator moves that we will kind of talk about here and what we can expect out of their new systems at their new schools. So first one up here, we touched on this one earlier in terms of how big of how tough of a loss this was for Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky offensive coordinator Ben Arbuckle took over after Zach Kitley left, was the quarterly control analyst for Kitley at both Houston Baptist and Western Kentucky. Reran that system almost to perfection until the end of the year where he really kind of made it his own, was hitting on all cylinders. He's going over to offense he's going over to Washington State and Washington State just lost their offensive coordinator. We'll get to that here in a second. If you are a Cameron Ward like owner in a CFF Dynasty League, you drafted him last year thinking that like, oh, that Eric Morris offense with with Cameron Ward, I I'm like he's gonna he's gonna be an absolute smash. I love this. You watch him throughout the season. He finishes relatively poorly among CFF quarterbacks. He like he's not an every week starter for you like he thought he was. And you're like, well, crap. Now I drafted a guy that I don't think I'm gonna have a ton of work out of. Well, then Eric Morris moves on, and you bring in Ben Arbuckle, the guy who just made Austin Reed into just an absolute monster this past year for CFF. You got to feel like you're lucking out a little bit here. Or do we think it doesn't matter? Because Cameron Ward's deep ball issues are going to be deep ball issues no matter what system he's playing in. What do you think about this one, Katz? Boy, I really think, I mean, maybe it probably doesn't happen, but I think Reed ends up transferring in and Ward goes to North Texas or somewhere else. Um, But I I suppose all those stars aligning probably is a bit of a long shot. Uh, there wasn't a, a ton, <laughs> I guess in the middle of the season, Ward seemed like he was getting it together a little bit. Right. But we never, it felt like we never were able to see him string together a couple games of truly productive CFF performances. They just brought in a ton of, <laughs> they got like three receiver commitments out of the portal within the it last did. like 30, 36 hours. Who was it? It was Josh Kelly and then two other guys, right? Yeah, it was Josh Kelly. It was um oh let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Yeah. So it let's let's just assume Ward is a constant for right now. Um maybe who's to say um Eric Morris wasn't the problem, right? Maybe he had the, the tougher time translating and and maybe Arbuckle's play calling is creative enough to unlock Ward a little bit. It's if Ward enters the season uh, as Arbuckle's quarterback this year, I think that he warrants drafting. Yeah. Who's to say how high? I think that uh, people will would 
largely be spooked to some degree, especially relative to, to where he was going in drafts last year. Not to not say, I mean, I am in no way saying anything negative about uh, people who were drafting him that early. God knows I had so many uh, misses, uh, especially when it comes to quarterbacks this past year. Uh, but it's tough to have too much of an opinion at this point because I think, I mean, so much has changed already since our buckle got there within the last week or so i'm sure a lot more will change uh in the coming weeks and months yeah by the way the three receivers that uh, wazoo has picked up recently and again sorry y'all i would have included this in the portal section but there's just so many people to talk about um josh kelly the fresno state wide receiver kyle williams the unlv wide receiver and then they also picked up isaiah hamilton the wide receiver out of San Jose State. So they, again, Arbuckle is just like collecting all of these West Coast <laughs> receivers and like all, all, all the all the WR4s on West West Coast teams. Exactly. All all your all your West Coast wide receivers are belong to us. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next guy here. Let's go to Phil Longo, the water the offensive coordinator out of UNC heading over to Wisconsin, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier with Tanner Mordecai and his relevance at Wisconsin. What do you think, Andrew? Like, I know that you there's very few people that don't have one extreme opinion or another on Phil Longo as an offensive coordinator because you, you talk to some people and they're like, oh, yeah, he's great. He gets us a lot of points. He gets a lot, he gets us a lot of stats. And then you talk to some people where it's like he makes terrible in-game decisions in terms of his personnel. He doesn't like he doesn't seem to know what kind of situation his football team is in at any given point. The play calling is just baffling sometimes. We'll see. So but he, he's, a, he's a starter OC for a program, which and it makes total sense from Fickle's perspective. He's gonna raise the floor so much higher than the bulk of candidates would have, right? But he's not unless maybe you take some of the creative liberty and in-game situations out of his hands or whatever, like he's not going to, he's, he's not going to, he's not going to knock off Ohio state, Penn state, right. It's no. like outside of thinking about to, back to his tenure at UNC outside of that first game against Clemson with Sam Howell, where it came down to a two point conversion. And I think that, I think that that day Clemson just really didn't know what they were getting into. Like that was game was so early on and yeah, everybody's tenure for that, that revamped UNC program, every big game since then, it really felt like the, it just, he and the, his offense hasn't shown up, which is characteristic of what happened when he was at Ole Miss too. Right. That mm-hmm. it can go off and, dr- and drop bombs on all these middle tier and low tier teams. But then when it's time to, to play Alabama or other uh, difficult SEC defenses, it's probably not happening. So I would expect more of the same uh, in Big Ten play. I would honestly probably expect a little bit worse. Again, like I said earlier, the Big Ten defenses are no joke. They de- they definitely pride themselves on like playing slower-paced football over there, uh, shutting down some of these faster-paced offenses. So I think this, at least this year, is going to be adjustment. That's one thing I got to be I got to be more mindful of this year for CFF is just not assuming that every one of these offensive systems are going to translate in year 1. I learned the hard way with Hawaii this past year. You learned it with Tulsa last year where it's like they're not all going to translate year 1. 
I feel like Phil Longo is going to be one of those systems that probably doesn't translate fully year one. Like, again, they'll they'll have success. Taylor Mordecai will be fine. I think if we're looking for CFF production, it's probably going to be more likely to come in year two than it will in year one. That's a big thing that I, I want to work on a little more. And also, like, even the bigger one, the true skeleton key is how do you how do you figure out which transfers are year one impacts versus which are not? Yeah. Like I, so there's, there were so many landmines and drafts this year. Yeah, there were hits as well, but I was, I was guilty of it, especially with wide receivers. I think I targeted in the range of like 10 portal wide receivers over and over, and maybe three of them actually hit. Oh no, dude. Like I'm again, I'm in the midst of like starting my rankings for this off season. And I'm like, so much more hesitant to put some of these portal guys like higher because like i feel like you're right like last year i was so quick to be like oh no these guys are gonna hit like like they're perfect for this system they're like they're gonna be starters it's gonna be it's gonna be fitting in like a glove and then i'm stuck with a bunch of guys that i'm like oh (laughs) turns out that they're not even seeing the field right now because i thought they were a starter it's Again, I, I, I'm definitely changing my approach a little bit this year. We will definitely see. Running back, I might not have a choice because there's just nobody coming back. Right. I hear you. All righty. Next up here, talked about uh, Wazoo needing an offensive coordinator n- next year, and that is because Mr. Eric Morris, the former offensive coordinator out of Wazoo, is going over to North Texas to take over as the head coach. If you're North Texas, this feels like a massive, massive gamble. Because you had uh, Central, who pretty much got you to a bowl game this year. Like, you had a pretty decent year, kind of put things together down the line. You fire him before the bowl game. And you would think that would mean like, oh, okay, he's not doing well enough for you, even though he's getting you to a bowl game in your North Texas you would think that would mean like, all right, we have a plan in place to get somebody better, an instant upgrade. But then they go and get Eric Morris, who, quite frankly, it's like he looked great last year with like Incarnate Word or two years ago with an Incarnate Word. And we're thinking like, oh, he'll just translate that to Wazoo. Well, Wazoo doesn't look too hot this year. <laughs> and then the guy right after Eric Morris and uh, Kenny basically did more with the stuff that Eric Morris had at, at Incarnate Word. Like, Incarnate Word's numbers this year were just absolutely astronomical. So it seems like Eric Morris might have been holding them back. I don't know. I feel like it's a very, very big gamble here for North Texas. And quite frankly, North Texas has never been a system that I love to invest in. I don't know. Especially with how like how much they were rotated receiver and at running back, I feel like I'm still gonna be staying away even with this hire of Eric Morris. What do you think, Andrew? I went back and forth in terms of my sentiment about how I, with respect to the firing of Latrell, initially I, I think I felt very much how you did. Like, why are you firing this dude? He just got you a bowl game. He got you conference championship. And then I, I read up a little more on how the program and how fans uh, perceived his lack of progress, his performances, his performance in bowl games. Like he never got a win in like six bowl games or something like that. Oh, uh, and yeah, it's, it, 
it seemed a little more uh, rational to walk away at this point instead of just going back for more. What you're saying with respect to a plan to fill or or lack thereof the the that the gap um, of with the firing of Latrell, it makes sense. Uh, I think that th this could be fun. It could be interesting. Maybe like maybe Morris just isn't quite cut out for P5, and maybe you can make it work at G5. I wonder what's going to happen at quarterback there with One. So I would love to get a player's perspective on the I Like we've seen it happen a couple of times with you go into the portal, you come back out, then you declare for the draft a little later on with, like with Grant the Bose being the most recent, uh, the most recent guy to do it. I wonder if One ends up doing that too, if he just ends up going pro. Or if he really does run it back for for a hit into his thirties or whatever, okay. uh, there were people saying that he was like going to declare for the draft, and then he yeah. well, actually no, I think he did declare for the draft, and then he entered the portal, and then he exited the portal, and now I'm like, okay, I I have no clue what's going on with this dude. So yeah. It's, I think it's a more than anything else a situation to monitor, keep an eye on. It could get, could get interesting. Um, so maybe Grant yeah, Cannell but... finally finally gets it going. <laughs> oh man, Grant Cannell, what a, what a, what a champion! Last coach we'll talk about here, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't really know what to say that much in terms of CFF impact, but this is more of a what the hell are you doing, Texas A&M, kind of moment because Bobby Petrino. The I have him labeled as the offensive coordinator at UNLV, uh, heading over to Texas A&M for the same role. It's te technically he was the offensive coordinator for UNLV for like what twenty minutes before he took this off this offer from Texas. Aggies, Aggies, what are you doing? Why, why are we, why are we having this man be your offensive coordinator? You are you gonna walk into a recruit's mother's living room and sit there and tell them like i have the perfect role model for your co for your <laughs> coach for your kid to learn under under the next several years his name is bobby petrino like oh and and it doesn't help that you have uh what's his name durkin on defensive coordinator the guy that basically neglected his player to the point where he got heat stroke and died like some of these hires from texas a&m man like what are they doing? I don't know. That's my rant. Andrew, your thoughts? Yeah, it makes it easy to form form an opinion and just if you're looking for a team to kind of root against, right? But um, from a fantasy perspective, this has to be very interesting for Wigman, Muhammad, and uh, Stewart, though, right? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, it's... Petrino can make offenses run very nicely, had uh, awesome passing attacks in the past. So, uh, yeah, it's an easy to gravitate talking point uh, with respect to what a, what a horrible person he is, right? But uh, when we're thinking about this from the perspective of college fantasy, it, it is, I think it is, it is fun and exciting uh, for the offense at large. Yeah. If, if hopefully, his offenses run much better than his motorcycles do. Yeah, definitely. All righty. That's enough of the coaching changes, talk and everything. Last segment we're going to cover over here. We're going to go back and look at 
bowl season here. We're not going to cover. We're not going to go bowl game by bowl game by bowl game. Because, again, we'll, we would be here from now until kingdom come. So we kind of broke this down into five different areas that we could talk about here. And the first one is, what do we do with the Mac? We didn't get Mac this year. And Andrew, I will, I'll let you kind of give this back and forth that you've written out here on our show sheet here. Because again, we didn't get Mac this year. And then there's kind of a couple different ways to look at the Mac here in the postseason. So go ahead, Andrew. Oh my God, where uh, I'm looking at the show sheet. Oh, uh, dude, they, they actually want, so the Mac going four and one in Bulls this year is uh, quite a pleasant surprise and a little topsy-turvy relative to the narrative uh, concerning how the, those teams generally perform, uh, right? They, uh, yeah. yeah, so long live the Mac, uh, way to go Mac. I, I believe they're going to, I forget what that trophy is that no one cares about for the best conference in bowl season that ESPN awards. That has, uh, a, but- that's, that has a trophy? It, I think it does a trophy or some some type of uh, award or something. Maybe it maybe just gets talked about with nothing uh, to actually uh, like gotcha. store in store in the trop the trophy case. But yeah, that uh that that should be coming the max way. But death to the Mac because all of their all of their talent that uh, their skill position talent has uh, made a max mass exodus not just at the team level but at the conference level. It would appear for. Uh, different for different programs uh, across the nation, and you know it's real talent, right? Because like they're not just going G Mac to other G five. Like we're seeing these kids pop up across all, all in the back pack Pac ten, the Big Ten, the ACC, all over. So yeah. it sucks. I mean, Maction will live on, but I don't know. I, like I I appreciate and I love the, the those three four year Maction heroes that we see that we can guarantee to be part of our lives every uh, every November. But you could you can when you think about the portal, I feel like you could almost see this coming that like a conference like the Mac is get, as soon as a dude pops, he's gonna just get he's gonna get jet, uh, get pulled out of that program out of that conference to yeah. uh, to schools that can offer more of the bag, right? But um, long live the Mac, dude. So where there are all these gaps, you'd think that, okay, there's probably, there's probably some understudies in these programs. And even if, I mean, the one, the main caveat with the Mac, when you target players from these schools is like non-conference, it's going to be a bit of a bear. You might not want to start these guys. You might not be getting any points from them. So that will still hold true. But uh, a lot of these, these, uh, like these schools are all still going to play each other. They're all going to play each other in uh, ho- what is hopefully high scoring atmospheres in uh, conference play in October, November into champ- the championship weeks, the money weeks. Right. So uh, the idea of trying to understand and figure out who are the kids that are likely to ascend in the place of these, the, those that are departing still warrants a lot of investigation. And also it's going to be a prime. These are going to be prime spots for transfers that, did we just saw who was it? Some kid just that transferred into the Mac and it made total sense. Oh, it's uh, Moxley's boy, Amos. Oh, right? it's Rashad Amos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, kids that can act like everyone's got different sets of priorities, but there's so much opportunity for transfers that are maybe third or fourth string in uh, P- at P5 schools to go in here. And now, okay, maybe I, I'm a dude that can just go in, grab a starting job, and rip off a thousand yards receiving or rushing, right? That's true. I'm I'm trying to think back. 
I'm trying to think of back and think about like Mac players that were transfers this year that were super successful. For some reason, I just can't think of any off the top of my head. That's kind of worrying to me. You're not counting Tanner Powell? Yeah, I guess I could count Taylor Powell. Yeah, that, that, uh, it, was mo- it was mostly sarcastic. You're right. You're right. Um, in the sense that at least this past year, it felt like a lot of the the top end talent had been in in their systems. But that's what I was saying. I think uh, it's still so new, right? It's tough to go, to try and base uh, opinions about the the current CFF landscape based on prior years. Just like looking at how my how many players have entered the transfer portal from last year to this year? True. How many players switch programs? It's like it's all it's exponential growth to some degree. Yeah, no. Again, like again, that that's kind of my point. Where it's like this year, it felt like all the talent came from within the systems yeah. that were already there. And I think to a good degree, we're still going to see that. Like, I don't think. Basically, I think the mistake a lot of us were kind of making over the last two years is that if any Power 5 player transferred to the MAC, that was an, like an automatic start. We did it with uh, Penny Boone this past year at Toledo. We were like, oh, that's that's like a, like with Brian Kobach and everything, like, oh, he'll be the immediate starter at Toledo. Not true whatsoever. Uh, so I think we got to be careful doing that moving forward. But you're right. right. Like there's I plenty. Just talked about, I just talked about how I wasn't going to fall for this trap and I'm already talking myself back into it. <laughs> Again, like I think it's one of those things where like we can't just assume it. I think there's so plenty. I agree. With you, there's plenty of opportunities here. Like there's several teams that got absolutely raided here. Like um, Kai Thomas coming from Kansas. What if he goes to Kent State, where the Minnesota running backs coach is now the head coach there? Like that, that makes a lot of sense. And that would be somebody I'm like, okay, the connection is there. That's somebody I'm going to probably want to invest in there. Um, Trying to think what other potential spots. I I don't know. My brain is mush right now. It is late. I can tell, dude. You're struggling. Again, I'm still a little jet lagged. So I'm still, I am still, I'm still trying to get through it but again we're we're strong and we make it through this speaking of strong and making it through let's talk about this clemson offense or god damn let's talk about this tennessee offense going up against clemson and i think this is if you're a joe milton fan which i know several people who are uh one person in particular you are you gotta have loved what you saw in this game against Clemson. You um you saw him you saw Milton go for about two hundred fifty yards, three touchdowns. You saw him just rip it through the air, dude. Squirrel White was somebody this past year that going in. I I knew I knew that first of all Georgia was in on Squirrel White, and I I watched some film on him. And I was like, dang, I'm sad we missed out on this kid because he is an absolute speed demon and can take the top off of defenses. And for some reason, that never translated into my mind of, hey, you should draft him everywhere <laughs> in CFF Dynasty and C2C leagues because he is super, super cheap. And now here we are a year later, and he is the guy that I'm considering to be my number one target for a Tennessee wide receiver next year. The Milton Squirrel Y connection, I think, is going to be absolutely nuts next year. Because 
Squirrel White might be the only wide receiver in the country that Joe Milton can't outthrow. <laughs> so I'm very much going to be invested in that. Andrew, what are your thoughts on the Tennessee offense? What do you think we can expect out of the future? It, I, it feels weird as a Georgia Georgia fan talking about how much I love uh, what Tennessee's doing from an, with respect to their offense, uh, right? But I mean, I it's it's awesome it's great like it's so much fun to watch i by a product of associating with uh chris k i i root for joe uh million it's all it was awesome to see him get, get his chance and uh ex, and excel in that qb qb1 role uh it'll be interesting to see where melton's going in drafts if it is super super high i don't know if i'll be drafting him too much just like there's multiple ways he could fail, right? He could, he can, he could just not, he can fail through the things that he is not super strong at, namely uh, ac- accuracy, right? Just overthrowing uh, everyone. Mm-hmm. The moment could be too big for him. Uh, maybe Nico ascends. Um, there, so there's multiple ways he could fail. He could also just not not run at all. Like, I think that's possible, even though we pr- project mobility on him. Um, I don't know. When, when have we actually seen seen it within recent history? I mean, so we... I think that there's multiple ways he doesn't get there. No. Um, so, like, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt and everything, but I think that was a point I wanted to bring up here is that yeah. I, I was just watching some of the highlights from this game earlier today. And the thing that kept striking me was like, this dude takes some really, really bad sacks. Again, it's Clemson's defense. It's a good, it's a yeah. good defense. But at the same yeah. time, like watching, I'm like, that's a little concerning. Like for all the bombs that he throws downfield, like this dude will lose you like eight to ten yards on any given play just by standing in the pocket for a little bit too long and not really using his legs too much. Eleven carries for five yards in this game against Clemson, I think, is high on the season was 23 yards in one game. So again, this isn't a dude that can, at least we haven't seen it yet, can rip off a 60, 70 yard or rushing yeah. game. I wonder what their receiving room ends up looking like. It's funny. You mentioned them being Ruben on a third event, right? Yeah. You, can you imagine a bigger CFF dream than just what we saw in the bowl game where it was literally just three dudes. Yeah. That's it. Like That is all you ever want for in CFF. I like he catches a I think he catches a lot of shit from sorry, excuse me, a lot of slack from uh from Tennessee fans, but like, as a result of that, I've kind of gravitated toward Raymel Keaton. Like I, I would love to see him succeed and he like he the idea is he's the, in the Tillman role, right? Like yeah. He's their he's their ex. Brew is still Brew and uh Squirrel is Hyatt. So if I can get Keaton cheap and I'm not getting bad vibes about who's kind of nipping at his heels to, for that role. I would love that. No, I think that, I think that's an absolutely great call. Cause again, we all projected Tillman would be the number one guy for Tennessee this year. Obviously injuries happen and Hyatt took advantage of the opportunity. But if you still believe that the X receiver is the number one role in an offense, which typically it is, that's the guy you're going to probably want to target right there. And you're right. He's probably going to be very cheap, especially compared to, Squirrel White or Brew McCoy because Brew McCoy's kind of got that name recognition that people right. want. So definitely, definitely have to like 
that i'm trying to think anything else i wanted to mention here uh does princeton fan come back or is he gone i think he's done i think he this was his last year good more more targets for our three dudes exactly get rid of those two receptions out of this game we don't want any of that and the stupid goal line carries that they love to give him oh i know especially against like vanderbilt and stuff like that oh god so annoying all right Moving on from Tennessee, congratulations to Joe Milton. And again, it was a good good defense they did this against. This wasn't like they went to yeah. the Orange Bowl and they're playing against Virginia or something like that. Like, no, Clemson's a good defense, so hats off to them. Next up, we'll talk about the Sun Bowl because there are two running backs here I think are worth talking about, and that is TJ Harden, the running back at UCLA, and then Rodney Hammond in the Sun Bowl. TJ Harden, uh, 11 carries, 111 yards, and a touchdown. And then you also have Rodney Hammond Jr., the running back out of Pittsburgh, 25 carries, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. I Again, you want your early-round running backs for CFF to be guys that are typically like known commodities. And I think, in a way, Rodney Hammond fits that role. Because before Izzy Abanaconda went absolutely ape this year. Rodney Hammond, in that first game against West Virginia, was getting the majority of the carries. He got hurt, and then Izzy got busy, and then the rest is history. But I think Rodney Hammond kind of slips right back into that role, and he will be like uh, Signetti's guy moving forward into next year. No doubt about it. TJ Hart is a little bit more interesting here. Again, 10 yards per carry, not sustainable, I would say. Only 11 carries and a touchdown. They also just bring in Carson Steele, but he technically, as of now, is the guy that they are subbing in for Zach Charbonnet. So, Andrew, your thoughts on either one of these guys? You summed up Hammond uh, perfectly for all the everything that kind of transpired this year and where I think that... We should, how we should think about him going into next year. It'll be super super interesting to see where he's going in drafts. Um, if there's any sort of caution there, or if he's just kind of flying up boards going super early. Uh, Harden, we talked about him, what feels like an hour ago at this point, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I at minimum, he's on my radar. I want to see kind of how things uh, play out as the spring and summer progress there. Yeah, absolutely. Another running back we could talk about here, LaQuint Allen, the freshman running back out of Syracuse, going up against Minnesota in the bowl game. A lot of us were pretty in on him early as a freshman. We knew that there was an opportunity here at Syracuse for him to kind of rise up that depth chart pretty quickly. He did clear number two to Sean Tucker by the end of the year. Sean Tucker opts out of the game. And guess what? We get a running back one performance out of LaQuint Allen. 15 carries for 94 yards, zero touchdowns. Here's the kicker, though. 11. I repeat, 11 receptions for 60 yards. We thought Sean Tucker was a receiving back. Good Lord, they were basically dumping this ball off to LaQuint Allen every chance they could get. Do I think that is sustainable? No. But any running back that is going to be tar- that can even remotely get targeted 11 times in a single game as part of the game plan should absolutely be somebody on your radar this next upcoming year. Again, 
I don't want to hype up too many unproven guys to be like these early round running backs, but if there is worry and these guys are slipping into the like fifth, sixth, seventh round, there's going to be a lot of value to be had with some of these guys that are up and coming guys. So cats, your thought on the Quint. Unfortunately, I didn't watch the game, but uh, I'm, I'm curious what that offense actually looks like next year. I, I agree. How can they run back Schrader? Uh, I I feel like who was the dude who ripped his ACL to shreds in the summer? Was it Justin Lampson? Is that his name? Yeah, Lampson. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that guy looked like or, but they I feel like they needed to they need an upgrade over Schrader with respect to uh, the quarterback position. But LaQuinn's exciting, uh, right? The it just just based on his performance in the bowl game guy that can do it in uh on the ground and through the air I mean, it would be fun i mean i'd argue that schrader definitely his hindrances this year were definitely more to health than they were to actual talent because like we saw him go for several 300 yard games like obviously like poor decisions some interceptions thrown in there as well but like i don't think it's impossible for him to run this system, especially since they, again, Robert Renee goes off to NC State. They just promoted his quarterback coach, Tim Beck, to be the offensive coordinator now. So, like, it's, it's, yeah. it's the same. Like, it's gonna, they're going to be running the same type of system there. I uh, I guess I just give, I give Renee all the credit, but uh, who who knows? Like, we're not in the room, right? No, we're not. <laughs> Who's the staff? Again, the the vibe I'm kind of getting from the Syracuse beat writers is is that they fully expect Beck to just kind of pick up where Ana left off. Because again, Beck and Ana work together at Syracuse. They also work together at Virginia, so like okay. they they're very familiar with the system. So makes a lot of sense. Totally. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about Kobe Pesor, UNC wide receiver, going up against Oregon during the bowl game. Seven receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown. I, I kind of brought it up earlier with the UNC wide receiver room, so I guess we won't talk about it too much here. But, again, like I feel like Paysor's set to kind of fly under the radar a little bit here. Again, Devontae Walker totally get why he is popular. He is a guy that is set to be put in the slot position where Josh Downs was. He's dynamic. He's athletic. Love to see what he could do at a ACC level of football play. But, man, Kobe Pesor, I feel like he's going to be the veteran. I, I guess you call him a veteran. I think he's only a sophomore, maybe even a freshman. He's the guy who's coming back. He's He knows his offense well. I personally, and I love Nate McCollum, but I definitely, if I'm going to take a second wide receiver out of UNC, Pesor is going to be the guy before I take Andre Green or Nate McCollum. What do you think, Andrew? Every time Pesor got an opportunity, it wasn't just a bowl game, right? It was when Downs was out. Uh, I think it was a couple times this year he missed games. Pesor stepped up uh, for him and succeeded. So you can build off that. You can, I think you can project uh, just based off of the, what the chemistry that we saw between May and Pesor that there's, assuming 
he lands a start a starting job, you can mm-hmm. assume targets, you can assume production. Yeah, pretty much. Alrighty. Before we finish up here, I'm gonna throw out some again, we we're talking about a couple of guys there that really kind of showed what's next for some of these teams in terms of the bowl in terms of what they might look like next year. I'm gonna throw out some more names for everybody to just kind of keep an eye on here. Some of these names you know, some of these you probably don't know. Jordan Vaughn, the running back out of Wyoming. Again, Titus when he is gone. So Jordan Vaughn looks like he is that next dude up. The Oklahoma running back room, Javante Barnes got his workload, but Gavin Sawchuk, the other five-star freshman running back there at Oklahoma, definitely flashed some ability during this game. That's a running back room I'll definitely be keeping a heavy eye on. Bucky Irving out of Oregon, two touchdowns in the bowl game for him. Do we see do we see Oregon actually let the running backs get into the end zone a little bit more than they did this year, especially with the change at offensive coordinator? Are they going to call less runs for Bo Nix? Especially if, God forbid, by the time the next season rolls around, he's still not fully healed up. We'll see. Uh, Western Kentucky offense, we talked about them earlier, absolutely ripped apart South Florida, South Alabama. That was fun. Ashton GNT. Is there a more annoying person in the in the CFF world right now than George Helani? <laughs> I'm being serious because like Ashton Gianti absolutely destroyed it in the bowl game. Almost hit 200 yards rushing. I believe had two touchdowns. And it's the era of Ashton Gianti. It is time, Boise State. And then out of nowhere, George Helani's like, yeah, I'm coming back for another year. I'm like, dude, aren't you on like your like, ninth year? Like, leave, stop, you're done. Transfer out. It is Ashton GNT time. He is a better running back. We need to stop this right now. All you're doing is just capping the ceiling of this man. This is what happened. This is the midnight rants. Andrew, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't think we see the Boise room, the Boise RB room be static status quo. When By the time we get to season kicking off, I think one of them probably bounces uh, at some point, whether it be in the coming days, weeks, before spring, after spring, something like that. It, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but like, what what changed? Every quote from Hawani, Halani was like, I'm done, I'm out of here. And I don't know. It's so, so annoying. Like, yeah. I, I was like, I'm like, okay, Halani's yeah. gone, Ashton GNT time. I'm going to be drafting yeah. him as like a top three, like top three round running back next year. And then it's like, nah. Uh, and then you, DC, um, go ahead. You, did not uh did, I assume when you were gallivanting through Europe uh you saw who was coming into the Wyoming running back room? Yes, that's right, Harrison Whaley. My dog. Dude, it's it's gonna happen this year. You think it, so? I think so. Um Bucky for Bucky, dude, I think the biggest impediment to his success from a CFF perspective is not Bo Nick, it's it's that they demand that all these lesser talented running backs get equal carries relative to True. Him. Like you saw it was never more clear than in the bowl game when the dude gets shot out of a cannon on that first did you watch this game or no? Uh I, I saw the highlights. I didn't really get to okay. watch the full he, one. Yeah. He, he just he ripped down the field on the first drive against UNC for 75 yards. Is basically not heard from the rest of the, the half, then scores again to open the second half, ends up with like 10 carries, and it's like they they demand to give Jordan James carries and uh, who's the other dude? No, Wellington. Who, those guys are fine, but 
like you just watch James, them James, one after another and Bucky's just so much more talented. James, I get because like, again, he's a four-star freshman running back. You're going to want to give him some carries and everything. No, Whittington, I don't understand their desire to give him the same number of carries as Bucky. So he, I don't want to get the, the whole thing with him, right? Is that Oregon hired the Western Kentucky running back coach Yes, and then he followed him. Right. So yeah. there's, I'm sure there's something there. Um, but yeah, you're probably like, right. Bucky needs more carries. Um, yeah, I feel like that's what I've pretty much got to say about those topics. Yep. All right. Kept this right at about an hour and a half. Good job, Andrew. We got through that pretty quickly. So with that being said, we are at the end of our show. Thank you all of you guys for listening here in the new year. I appreciate you guys catching up on all the news with us. Again, it had a lot to talk about, but we got through it, and it is a lot of great stuff for CFF 2023. Speaking of CFF 2023, some things for you guys to look forward to. Next couple of weeks, we'll definitely be continuing to cover the transfer portal. It is closing up in about a week and a half's time, at least for the first round, so we'll be definitely keeping an eye on that. Some coaching changes definitely right before the signing day. We'll be keeping up with all of that for you guys. And then by the end of this month, we'll be having our first CFF mock draft way too early edition. And we'll be having a special just like we did last year. So absolutely keep your guys' eyes out for that. That is coming your way. Andrew, what's going on with you guys and the BTR crew? You guys got anything fun planned over the next couple of weeks? So we'll keep the shows uh, weekly. The off, we love the off season. Uh, general, generally speaking, not to say that we feel a lot of in season pressure from a content perspective, but the creative liberty that the off season offers uh, in terms of just the variable topics, being able to talk more about uh, about theory, about strategy, and stuff like that. We sure. love that. Um, so you can look for stuff like that from us. We're trying to figure out a few different things. Uh, not the least of which is how to better our organic free marketing efforts to try mm-hmm. to expand our platform a little bit. Maybe aim for 200 uh, listens in an episode. Who knows? Maybe we'll get there one day. There uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Big goals, uh, but nothing quite definitive, which is how uh, we'll keep it dynamic and we'll go from there. Yeah. Again, you guys do a fantastic job over there. So you guys keep it going if y'all didn't, haven't checked them out yet go find burning the red shirt podcast on spotify and follow the twitter account at btr underscore pod make sure you follow myself as well on twitter i'm at cff underscore jared you can also follow the podcast twitter account at chasing the natty no complications there whatsoever really appreciate all of you guys listening welcome to the new year it is cff 2023 really looking forward to an awesome off season with each and every one of you until next guy oh god i was doing so well and i screwed up the ending until next time guys really appreciate you guys and have a wonderful and blessed day